Ah, wedding seating. Whether you're a couple about to get married or you're a wedding planner, you've probably already started to think about table and seat assignments for this spring and summer's weddings. Wedding seating can be a dramatic endeavor fraught with tension and disorganization. Or... It can feel like a fun jigsaw puzzle. How you approach it will determine what the experience will be like. I know this is an important topic for all of you, so let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verve Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Hey guys, it's Desiree. Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to first give a shout out to our sponsors. The first is our own wedding planning template shop. Regardless of where you are in your wedding planning journey, this shop has tons of resources I created specifically for you based on a lot of the tools I use with my own clients. My most popular items these days is the ultimate wedding planning checklist for couples, no surprise there, and the wedding mood board template. The checklist is a game changer when it comes to knowing what to do and when in your wedding planning journey. And for all my decor-obsessed couples and fellow wedding pros, the wedding mood board template turns that messy Pinterest board into a cohesive and organized decor roadmap for your day. You can pick up these products and more in the wedding planning template shop at shop.verveventco.com. Again, that's shop.verveventco.com. And don't forget to use my special podcast discount code, which is podcast10 during checkout. Again, use the code podcast10 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. The second sponsor of our podcast is The Planner's Playbook. I have been in the wedding industry for almost five years and have been planning and executing events for over 15 years, and I am constantly learning and still trying to level up my game. Candice Coppola, who is the master behind The Planner's Playbook, is also my business mentor, and she has put together an incredible coaching program called The Planner's Playbook. Now, if you want to fast track your wedding planning career, this is your secret weapon to planning, designing, and coordinating magazine-worthy weddings. Seriously. It's designed for wedding planners who are five years or fewer into their business, and it will give you all the training and support you need for a multitude of things, including simplifying your planning process so you have a clear picture of how to work with your clients on any occasion or budget. It will also help boost your productivity with solid systems and processes that make wedding planning easy. I am a spreadsheet queen and Candace's spreadsheets are the bomb.com. So amazing. Every month you will receive a new playbook straight to your inbox and it will be filled with tangible and tactile advice on everything from how to plan a tented wedding to preparing client budgets, mapping out your client journey, all of the things. And the last playbook was over 70 pages of amazing information and I'm still going through it. How can you say no to this? Also, the doors to the Planner's Playbook open only four times a year, but you can ditch the waitlist and join anytime by visiting my unique sponsor link, 
Imagine all of the things you could accomplish if you had the right resources and support to guide you. So if you want to learn more about the Planners Playbook, head to verveventco.com forward slash Planners Playbook. Again, you can skip the wait list and get instant access with my unique link by visiting verveventco.com forward slash Planners Playbook. Now, the last sponsor of our podcast is Lovestream. I have used Lovestream with my weddings and my couples are so happy with it. Not to mention they have excellent customer service, which is huge for me. Now, even though we all thought we would be getting back to a quote unquote normal wedding, luckily Lovestream is a one-way, high-definition, high-quality way to stream your wedding and help your guests feel like they're still a part of the audience at your wedding, even though they're sitting on their own couch at home. Your guests click on your personal URL and they're able to watch without logging in, downloading an app, or messing with their microphone settings. Seriously, how many times have you been in a Zoom meeting and someone forgot to mute themselves? Imagine if that happened at your wedding. True story. Now, if you are planning a destination wedding, they also offer all-inclusive live streaming destination wedding packages. I really like Lovestream because the platform is so easy to use for any size wedding. But what I love best about the company is their excellent customer service, which starts right when you visit their site and their live chat feature lets you ask questions before and after you book with them. Seriously, it's so amazing. Now, to get 10% off any Lovestream package, visit verveventco.com forward slash love stream and enter the code ask 10 for 10% off. Again, that's verveventco.com forward slash love stream and use our code ask 10 for 10% off any love stream virtual wedding package. Thank you again to all of our sponsors and to you, our listeners. Without you, we wouldn't be able to have this show. I couldn't make all this free content without your support. So thank you so much for listening, subscribing, supporting our sponsors, and supporting the show. And now, on to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to all of you on this week's episode of Ask the Planner with I am Desiree Adams. And today, we're talking about wedding seat table assignments. I'm going to give you both a game plan as far as how to tackle it, as well as tools for your seating journey. I'm also going to give you a free worksheet to use to help with your seating. So make sure you listen to the end of the episode so you know where to grab it. Now, before we dive into today's episode, a quick update from me. If you listened to last week's episode, you can tell that my voice is slightly better than last week. I'm hoping that it will be back to normal by next week, but who knows what allergy season will bring. So thank you for bearing with me yet again for another week. Also, if you are new to the show, welcome, welcome. I am so glad to have you here. If you have been listening for a while, I'm also so glad to have you here too. Is your wedding coming up this summer or fall? Are you ready for it to be over? Or at least the planning of it? When we were at that wine dinner last week that I talked about on last week's episode, the sales rep from the winery told me that her sister's wedding was the next weekend. And while she was very excited for it to come. She's also ready to just be done with planning. I totally get it. You put so much time and effort into the wedding planning and all these people give you all this advice, including me, some of which is unsolicited and you're ready to just party. Today on this episode, I'm hopefully going to give you some peace of mind as you start to put together your wedding table assignments. 
Now, speaking of together, how have you all been? How was your weekend? I'm recording this podcast a little bit early because we were planning to be away this past weekend. We were going to take our kids to the Kalahari Water Park in the Poconos, and another family was going to go with us. So their kids, they have three kids, we have two, but they're all similar in age. We get along with the parents. So we were like, this is going to be great. All the kids can play and have fun while the adults can also play and have fun, but not necessarily be on top of their kids all of the time. But last weekend, my friend's son came down with either norovirus or a stomach bug. I don't know. So he was sick for a couple days and then her daughter got it. And then by Wednesday, her other son had it. And I think you know where the story is going. I was starting to get worried because inevitably that meant that my friend or her husband was going to get it right before they were supposed to leave like us. So Wednesday night, we're texting back and forth about what to pack in terms of snacks and adult beverages. And I said, just don't get sick. And she told me she'd been drinking grape juice because apparently that keeps you from getting sick with a stomach bug. I don't know. I should should look it up. But Thursday morning, she texts me and tells me that unfortunately, she is now sick. And meanwhile... Literally all week, my seven-year-old daughter has been having trouble sleeping because she was so excited to go to the water park. She has been binge-watching YouTube videos about all of the water slides because she's mapping out where she wants to go and she's just psyching herself up. And then, of course, my friend tells us that she and her family probably can't join us. And I am devastated. (laughs) What's worse, I don't want to tell my daughter because she's going to be absolutely crushed. My son is also excited, but not, I mean, he's younger. So sometimes the water slides scare him, but she was all in and was so ready to go. I'm recording this on Thursday night, the night before we are supposed to leave for the water park. I don't know if we're going to be able to go because honestly, I don't want to take my kids to the water park by themselves. This sounds like bad parenting, but I trust me when you guys become parents or if any of you are, are our parents, you understand. But it is infinitely better to take kids on vacation when they have friends. They're just better behaved. They're more distracted. They're just, it's just better. At least it is for mine. So anyway, by the time this episode airs, we will have already either gone to the water park or had a miserable weekend at home with my daughter pissed at us because she didn't get to go. Hopefully we will have found other distractions so she's not eternally angry with us but we shall see. Wish me luck. Hopefully if you guys saw my stories that we did get to go, but who knows? Um, I'll update you guys on next week's episode. Please don't forget to leave your reviews on Apple Podcasts and make sure you include your um, Instagram or TikTok handles in your review. If you're listening to this in April, um, when the episode is originally airing, you know that I am giving away gift cards to my favorite stores for our listeners that leave the podcast a review. So please make sure you do that so that I can get you a gift card and say thank you. Also, I'll follow you back. Okay, on to today's episode on wedding table and seat assignments. 
Now, I'm super excited to share this episode with you guys because I personally love seating. It feels like a giant jigsaw puzzle to me, and I find it very cathartic to put together different floor plans in the space. And then I think it's actually kind of fun to plop each little body into their seat, but I get not everyone is like me, so I'm going to hopefully make the process easier for you all and less painful. There are going to be three things that we're going to talk about in today's episode. One, tools to make your seating chart, whether you're a paper and pencil person or you are a computer or techie person, I have a solution for you. Um, Two, we're going to talk about the actual seat assignment process, who you should seat first, second, and so on. Third, we're going to talk about um, etiquette or rules to consider. Oh, and actually there's four things, four tips for the actual day. It's kind of a short part, but anyways. Okay, let's get on to tools how to actually put together your seating chart. Now, I'm not talking about the really pretty seating chart that you show to everybody um, to tell them when they're going. This is the actual, like, this is the thing that we're going to use to tell the calligrapher and, you know, our printer, this is where everyone's seating and actually physically assigning everyone to a seat. Okay, before we dive into the actual seating, first, I'm going to talk about what you need to track your seating. So either paper and pencil, an Excel spreadsheet, or my personal favorite, a tool or platform called Social Tables. Okay, for the paper and pencil, if you are old fashioned and you just wanna do it on paper and pen, paper and pencil, sorry, a pen would not be good, um, and that's totally fine. Some people like to do it this way because they're very visual and they don't like the tech. I personally think that this is the slowest way and I would probably kill myself because, no, not kill myself, but I would just like... When is this over? But anyways, if you're tackling seating with your parents, maybe all in one weekend, this might be a good option for you because you can kind of move people around. So in order to do this with paper and pencil, I would type out each person's name and put them on a strip of paper that you will then cut out. You could also just write them on small sticky notes, like those little tiny mini rectangular ones, and then put everyone's name on that, whatever you want, want to do. I recommend putting one person per sheet um, or per sticky note instead of going by couple so that you know where each body actually goes and you can see quickly how many you have at each table. If you're doing only couples, you might miss and realize that this is actually one person and not a couple because there's only one piece of paper. Okay, so you have all of their names on pieces of paper. Next, you would either draw circles on a big poster board or you would use paper plates. Um, paper plates was what we used to in um, my gala days, long before you know paper and pen, pencil, no, Excel spreadsheets. Anyways, so these circles or paper plates represent your tables. Hopefully they will be laid out like your floor plan in the room as far as where each table is. So you basically have your floor plan of the room and then you plot out each paper plate um, according to you know how many tables are in each row in your ballroom or tent or wherever. So then you would move the sticky notes to each plate based on where you want each person to sit. So once you have everyone assigned to a table and don't forget to number each table, then you would have to record them in a spreadsheet or table so that you can then share that spreadsheet with the caterer or whoever is making your seating chart and escort cards. This is basically the most dial-up 
analog version of seating, but it works. Um, it's also harder though too because you don't have everyone's meal selections. So keep that in mind. You're going to have to add that to your spreadsheet to share with your caterer once you have figured out where everyone is seated. Okay, the next method is with a spreadsheet. Now this has been done for very long time and people are still using this method, so there's nothing wrong with it. Um, So across the top of the spreadsheet, you obviously have columns. So the first column you have seat number. The second column you would have table number. The next column would be first name, then last name, then meal selection, and then any notes like dietary restrictions or whatever. Next, you would look at your floor plan and you would number each table so that you know what table number each person is. So when you're assigning them to a table, you're like, okay, this is table one, two, or three. So I like, so this is a specific note about how to actually do your table numbering. There is a system. I like to start with table one closest to the main doors where everyone is entering in or near where you know a lot of people are entering in. Table two is next to it on the right because again, people are looking and they genuinely read from left to right. So table two is on the right and then table three is to the right of that and so on. However, the important thing here is not to number your tables based on rows. Instead, you need to snake the numbers around the room. So I'm gonna say that again. You do not number the tables based on rows. So it's like one, two, three, four, five is one row and the next row is six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Don't do it that way. You are going to snake the numbers around the room. And what I mean by that is say you have three rows of five tables each. So table one is on the far left, then table two is next, all the way to table number five on the far right. Table six would be right next to table five in the row adjacent to it. So basically in the next row or column over. It would not be near table number one because guests don't move around the room like that. They're not going to go like, they don't see the giant map like you do. They're going to be looking at it and walking around the room looking for their table number near the other table numbers that are near that number, if that makes sense. You'll see what I mean when you look at the show notes for today's episode, which can be found at verveventco.com forward slash 61. I'll put there a sample floor plan so you can see how I number them. Okay, after you've numbered your floor plan, it's time to go back to your seating chart or your seating spreadsheet. Next, you would go down the first and second columns and number them by the number of seats at each table and also by table number. So if tables one and two had eight seats each and table three had 10 seats, you would number it as follows. So again, seat one, table one, seat two, table one, seat three, table one, all the way down to seat eight for table number one. Next, you would do the same for table number two. Seat one, table two, next row, seat two, table two, et cetera, all the way to seat eight. But for table three, you would number it all the way to seat number 10. You would do this for as many tables you have in the room not based on how many guests you will have because some tables will have one or two open seats depending on how the couples and the singles shake out. We will get to that in a little bit. Um, But for now, just number it based on the number of seats at each table. Um, And if you don't know how many seats are at each table, ask your caterer or the venue, whoever's providing your tables, how many people can sit at the table. Typically, it's eight to 10, depending on how big the table is. Uh, The next option 
for doing your seating is social tables, which is the more techie way, which is, I think, infinitely easier than any other way. And it's also my favorite way of doing seating because it's just so easy. Okay, and obviously this is the more tech way, but trust me, once you pick it up, it's so much faster and it's gonna be a lot funner. More fun, sorry, I hate bad grammar. Okay, a lot more fun, I sound like my son. Okay, social tables can be found online at socialtables.com. Again, that's socialtables.com. It is a seating platform that I have been using since long I can remember, over a decade now. I used to actually appear on their marketing videos long ago when I lived in DC as they were a startup in that time and the company that I was working for worked closely with them so that they knew what we wedding and event planners actually needed in a seating and mapping tool. So it was awesome. Now, Social Tables is great because they have a spreadsheet import tool that takes your guest list and adds it to the platform before you assign everyone to a seat. Then you take each little person and just drag and drop them to a table. So it's like our analog version of paper plates and sticky notes, but much faster and wastes less paper. Now, once you have dragged and dropped each person onto a table, you can export the list and give it to your calligrapher to write out your seating chart. And then you can either track all of your RSVPs in social tables with everyone's meal selection, or you can track it outside of social tables and then import it into the platform so that when it spits out your report, it also has everyone's meal selection with their table assignment. It's really, really super easy. It's hard to describe it right now because of you know, I'm not showing you guys on a computer, but I'll link to a video where I show you guys how to do it. And it's super, super simple. And I promise you'll love it. I'm also not getting paid by social tables to do this. I just genuinely like using that tool. Okay, now that we have talked about ways to set up your seating chart, let's talk about how to go about assigning everyone to a table. So first, as expected, you start with your VIPs. Assign you and your partner to a table. Now, thinking about this, will you be sitting with your wedding guests or at a sweetheart table? Um, That's up to you. Hopefully that's on your floor plan. Next, decide if you will be sitting with your wedding party or your family. There is no right or wrong way to assign this. It really will just depend on how big your wedding party is and how big your family is. I have had it where the couple sat with their siblings and their parents all at the head table and they had 10 people. Then their wedding party, which was smaller, sat at the tables next to them. So that's definitely one option. You could also do the reverse and sit with all of your wedding party and then you can seat your parents together, so both of your parents, together to allow them more time to visit with one another and then bask in their children's nuptials. Now, if that would mean that there are too many at that table or some of your parents are divorced, consider giving each of your parents their own tables to host. Then they can sit with their siblings or your godparents and their siblings, etc. It's all up to you, and it just depends on your family dynamics. Now, if your parents aren't seated next to you or with you at your table, I would make sure that all of their tables are equidistant to yours so that no one feels slighted, so that your table is in between 
you know, your your t- your parents' table and your partner's table. You can even make it so that the parents are seated so that they face your table so that they get the best view of you. So meaning if they're seated at, you know, tables that are diagonally next to yours, they're sitting in the seat that is facing you. It also depends on how much thought you want to put into it um, just to make sure that they get good seats. Up to you again. This is why people do place cards. Okay, step number two is assigning your friend or family groups. Now, I would take turns between you and your partner assigning these next groups. So start with whoever is most important to both of you and where you want them to sit. Do you want your friends to sit closer to you both or do you want them to give have a seat closer to the bar maybe? Sometimes people think it's fun. Do you want your family to be close to your parents or will they want to be closer to the dance floor? Do you want to prioritize your aunts and uncles over third cousins? There are lots of different scenarios to consider, but I think taking turns where, okay, you see one group, all right, my my people are going to go here. All right, now your people are going to go here back and forth so that it feels equal and balanced for both of your, your groups of people. Step number three, next, assign all of your remaining guests. So you've done your VIPs, then you did your friends and your family groups. This next group are the people that you care a little bit less about where they sit, but they also still need a place to sit. You can use them to fill in holes in the tables or they can get their own table. It depends on how many are left. If the remaining people are friends of your parents, make sure you ask your parents to guide you on where you they want them to sit and with whom they should be sitting. Other than that, just be patient and be open to moving people around based on how many people you can seat at a table and until you come to a place where you guys are happy with where everyone is seated. Okay, now we're going to talk about seating chart etiquette, do's and don'ts of seat assignments. Now, rule number one, seat people together that have like or common interests. This is probably obvious, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. You don't always have to seat all of your high school friends together with only other high school friends. Definitely make sure someone has a friend at each table, but you might want to consider mixing it up so that guests can get to know others at the wedding. Some people might not like that because they're like, I just want to sit with the people that I know and I want to catch up with. That's totally fine too. But just think about if you have people that are left over, having them sit with somebody else that has a like or common interest is very, very, very helpful. They would also appreciate it too. Rule number two, I would avoid having a singles table. Even if they're part of your quote unquote leftovers, meaning they don't fit into a specific category or they don't know a lot of people, make sure you take them into consideration and seat them with people of similar interests or backgrounds. Or if someone is particularly quiet or shy, seat them with someone that will be warm and inviting. I am not advocating for seating them with the most gregarious or talkative of the group, but putting them with someone that will engage them and include them in the conversation will make them feel appreciated and thought of, which will definitely go a long way in how they enjoy the evening. Okay, rule number three, consider having a kids table. It can be nice for younger guests to be seated with their peers. They will enjoy having company with them that are people near their age. You can even provide them with coloring sheets or other age-appropriate activities, however old they are. This will also help servers avoid 
unknowingly setting a glass of champagne at their seat if they know it's a kid's table. That has happened. And then we realized it was a kid's table. And then we're like, nope, never mind. Take all those champagne glasses away. Um, and it was fine. It was before the kids sat down, but it was fine. Um, just try not to seat the kids too far from their t- parents um, so that they can keep a close watch on them and so that we can avoid any mishaps from taking place because the kids are not supervised. And rule number four, which is perhaps the most important rule of all of the rules, avoid separating couples. I have talked about this in past episodes, but please, I am begging you, please do not separate couples, meaning don't seat the person in your wedding party at your head table and then put their spouse, partner, or date at another table. First of all, I think it's kind of rude. Basically, you're telling that other person that they're second class and they don't get to sit with their husband or wife or girlfriend because they're not as special. Now, while they are there to celebrate you and it's your wedding day, They're also there to enjoy a nice evening with their significant other. And trust me, nothing will ruin that faster than making them sit at different tables. This happened to me once and I will never forget it. My husband, who had I had been married to for a couple years and we had multiple children at that time. Um, My husband was seated with the bride and groom at the head table. I was seated at a table with my back to him, you know, so I could turn around all night and talk to him and not talk to the people at my table, which also would have been rude. The couple did put me next to another person's wife because her husband was also seated at the head table. My husband was a longtime friend and the other husband was a cousin and close friend. But if I had known I wasn't going to sit with my husband all night, I might not have come, which maybe that's an unpopular opinion. Maybe it's kind of selfish on my part. But I've mentioned this on multiple Instagram stories. And whenever I do, other people have passionately agreed with me and DM'd me and told me how it happened to them. And they were super pissed and they hated it. So just don't do it. At the very least, ask your guests if they would rather sit with you apart from their spouse or if they would rather not sit at the head table, but with their partner. Probably going to choose their partner. I don't know. Shunning people like that or making them feel like they're not worthy or they're just second class is not how you want to make people feel. And trust me, people will remember how you made them feel long after your wedding is over. Clearly, I'm still bitter about this and it's been a couple years. This also happened to me when we first got married. My husband was in the wedding party and I was not. I was totally fine with that. But then they all got to watch a fireworks display from the top of the roof. And because my husband was in the wedding party, they were all called to the roof to watch it when it was happening. I, of course, was looking around for my husband because, you know, I love him and I wanted to watch the fireworks with him. But nope, he was nowhere to be found. And then I just sat there by myself watching the fireworks by myself when everybody was with all of their dates and I was by myself. I was pissed. And this literally happened, guys, 13 years ago, and I still remember it. I'm still mad about it. We're still friends with that couple. We see them all the time. I saw them like last weekend, but I still remember it. So just don't do it. If you can avoid it, just don't do it. Oh, and rule number five, which kind of goes along with this, is 
avoid giving certain guests special treatment where other guests can see. Optics is everything. If you're going to do something special for your head table, like champagne, be discreet about it. This does not really go into seating, but it kind of is related to it, so I'm going to talk about it. Do not, I repeat, do not have champagne at the bar that only certain guests can have, but isn't available to everyone. If that's the case, you need to either keep it at the table and provide your other guests with a similar but less expensive alternative or not have it at all. This may be another unpopular opinion, but trust me, people see it, they get pissed and it's annoying. Yes, it's fine and we understand, but it still makes us feel like, oh, they get special champagne and I don't. Give your head table the really fancy champagne. Give everybody else normal champagne or Prosecco. It's just, I don't know. I just think it's, it's important to think about how you make your guests feel. And that's just kind of a sticking point for me. I do think that the wedding party should get special treatment. That's why they're in your wedding party. I fully support that. But just remember that optics are everything and you don't want other guests to feel slighted, whether intentionally or not. And that brings us to our final segment, which is tips for the wedding day. So things of how to implement or things to think about when you're implementing your wedding day. Okay, so one, have extra copies of your seating chart or your seating list, the master list for your caterer and your wedding planners. Hopefully they already have them so that they know where guests are in case they need to locate them in case they need to find somebody, in case someone's like, I'm looking for this person, in case someone's like, oh, where is the vegetarian going or where is the gluten-free option going, whatever. Have extra copies of your seating chart at your wedding day. Two, note allergies and dietary restrictions in that seating chart or guest list. Your calligrapher likely won't need this, but they might if they're putting on your escort card what everyone selected. Your caterer definitely will need this because they need to know, again, where special allergies and special requests are. Okay, three, now this is a new one. Note the open seats. So make sure you know ahead of time where there are open seats at tables. For example, if most of your tables can seat eight people, but you had a table that only needed seven seats, make sure you note that in case you have any last minute guests show up and you need a place for them, or so that the caterer knows, oh, this only this table only needs seven seats, this table only needs eight seats. This will also let you know where you can shuffle some guests around and avoid putting guests at an already full table if you need to do so. And seriously, pay attention to the seating chart. You can only physically fit so many people at a table. There's only so much room for china, flatware, and glassware. At a certain point, it will be comical and messy if you sit, if you seat 13 people at a table and it can only fit 10. I promise you, you just can't do it. So try to avoid overloading certain tables and stick to the rules if you can only have a certain number of people at a table. Okay, and that wraps up to today's episode on wedding seating chart tips and etiquette. Now, I covered a lot, so I hope it was helpful for you and made you feel more prepared to take on your wedding seating. For the episode show notes and links, go to verveventco.com forward slash 61. Again, that's verveventco.com forward slash 61. 
In the show notes is also where you can sign up to get a copy of my seating spreadsheet. One tab will be for normal seating and the other tab will be if you want to import it into social tables. It will make your life so much easier, I promise. Again, you can grab that in the episode show notes at verveventco.com forward slash 61. As always, if you have follow-up questions or want to talk to me more in depth about something you heard today, please leave the podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, leave your Instagram handle and what your question is, and I will address it in a future episode and of course, follow you back. Also, while you're there, please let me know what you think of the format of the podcast. We are almost done with season two, and we will definitely be taking your feedback into consideration when we come back for season three in the fall. So let me know what you think. Do you like the solo episodes? Do you like the interviews? Do you like both? What was your favorite episode? And how about the length? I'm always wondering how the length is. Is there a sweet spot for you or are you fine with any length as long as it's good content? Please let me know and I assure you guys, I read every single review and I check it every single day to be like, did anyone else leave a review? It makes me so happy when I read your guys' reviews. Um, So I really, really appreciate all of you that take the time to do that. Speaking of reviews, let's get to today's review of the day. This review is by Pamela Sheldon, one of my former brides and who we also interviewed on episode 52. And Pam writes... Phenomenal podcast for all couples, five stars. Desiree is a wealth of knowledge. She is up to date on all things wedding and wedding related. She helped us plan our backyard wedding in the summer of 2021. And not only can we not imagine planning without her help, but on our wedding day, she was an integral part of making our day perfect. She is the best of the best. And in a world where time is something we all wish we had more of, Time spent listening to Desiree's podcast is time well spent. Oh, thanks, Pam. I learn something every time I listen, and she is one of the best in the industry. Thank you so much, Pam, for writing that review. You are literally so sweet, and I appreciate you taking the time to write such a nice review. If you want to hear more about Pam and their super fun backyard wedding, listen to her and her husband, Alan, in episode 52. They originally planned a destination wedding in Asheville, North Carolina, but had to rethink their plans because of COVID, like many people. So if you are planning or considering hosting your wedding at your home or somebody else's, make sure you listen to their episode. And if you want to be a superstar like Pam, please don't forget to leave a five-star review for the podcast in Apple Podcasts if you liked today's episode. Reviews are so helpful to us podcasters because it really helps other listeners find the show. It helps with the algorithm. It helps us get ranked higher on Apple Podcasts so people can find us. And right now, the first podcast you find when you search for wedding planning podcast hasn't produced new episodes in multiple years. And I don't understand why they're the first person that you see when you go into Apple Podcasts. So anyways, guys, please keep those reviews coming. I so appreciate it. You can even leave multiple reviews. Just really leave a review each day. You listen to the podcast. I love it. I would so, so appreciate it. So thank you so much. And if you don't know what to say, just drop some emojis, an engagement ring emoji, maybe a wedding couple, your favorite cocktail, some champagne glasses, maybe something that represents where you live, whatever it is. I love emojis. So leave that as well if you can't think of anything else to say. That is all for today's episode on wedding seating. Again, if you want my free wedding seating chart template, head to the episode show notes at verbevenco.com 
forward slash 61. In episode 62, I am talking to a wedding vows and toast writer, and he shares some really important tips on how to make your wedding words more meaningful. It's definitely a good one. We've all been to weddings where the best man or maid of honor or even a dad hijacked the wedding reception with their speech. And Brian gives us all some really great tips on how to avoid that, which is so helpful. And then I will be back with one more episode, maybe two, including my interview with Jason Tardick before we wrap up season two of the podcast. Now, as of this recording, we were targeting a date at the end of April for the interview. So hopefully we will get it in before the end of season two, but only time will tell. You'll have to keep listening to find out. So thank you all again so much for joining me today. Thank you for bearing with me while I get over this annoying weird throat thing hopefully it wasn't too distracting i loved being here with you i will see you all in the meantime on instagram at ask the planner podcast and on tiktok at verb event co have a wonderful wonderful week and i will talk to you all soon thank you so much for listening to ask the planner to make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion visit ask the planner podcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you. 